1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Today we're going to be talking about some very interesting things that people don't like to talk about at all. We're going to talk about death and funerals, but Maybe we'll talk a little bit about reincarnation also. I'll get some interesting materials on reincarnation. And have you made plans for your own funeral service? Do you know, and more importantly, does your family know how you wish to be treated once you're gone? Do you want a traditional funeral service with an open casket viewing and calling hours and a funeral? Do you want a military funeral? Would you like to be buried at sea, perhaps, or maybe from an airplane? Would you like to have your ashes, if you're cremated, shot out of a little special cannon? Well, today you can do all those kinds of things. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And with us this morning is attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, everyone. So what do you think, Tenny? Is this a pleasant subject to talk about for (laughs) Sunday morning? Well, it was certainly a grim introduction. Well, it's a necessary subject, though, isn't it? We're going to talk about what are some of the things that you should do immediately following uh, the death of a loved one, uh, a spouse perhaps, a parent, and uh, hopefully not a child. That's really very tragic when that occurs. But we're going to talk a lot about funerals and the growing trend towards cremation in this country. And I guess the most important message right from the very beginning we should start with, Tenny, is to say that you really need to think about planning ahead of time and letting your family know what your wishes are, don't you? Oh, it's much more fair to them if you do do that. It's also, of course, fair to yourself because then you will get what you wish as opposed to what other people may think you might wish. A lot of people, you and I included, do not wish to have any kind of open casket viewing, for example. And so we need to let our family know that so they don't make those plans. Mm -hmm. And there is a growing trend in this country towards cremation, both for cost and because also I think that a lot of people just don't like the concept of having a traditional funeral. And it is expensive after all, isn't it? Well, um, I think you need to distinguish between cremation and um, a regular uh, burial in a casket as opposed to the service, which could be the same for either. Okay, so we'll talk about a little bit of that. So Attorney Tenny Lance is with Lance Law, Inc., and you also practice law with Attorney Michael Coleman. You do a lot of work in the area of estate planning, but you also deal with situations in which families come in after somebody has died, right? Yes, we do a lot of probate, and we do a lot of what's called trust administration, Because many of our clients have living trusts, then uh, there's an administrative process that goes on after death just to make sure that their wishes are carried out. But I do want to mention that if you haven't thought about it, you really ought to think about it. We do see a lot of people that come in that have tell us right up ahead of time that they've prepaid for their funeral and burial expenses, or they have a funeral insurance policy to pay for it. So let's talk about steps that have to be taken right from the beginning. Uh, First of all, if somebody dies at home, you have to have a uh, legal pronouncement of death, don't you? Yes. Um, I assume that most people have arranged that if they 
if they know that their relative is ill and imminent death is upon you, then uh, you probably have figured that out already. But in some cases where there's a surprise death, you do need to call somebody in charge who can make a pronouncement of death. I'm not sure I'd call it a surprise so much as I would call it unexpected. Oh, for sure. Because a surprise is something you think of as being uh, fun, right? Right. You got an unexpected gift. Somebody brought you flowers or something. That's a surprise. (laughs) And when somebody dies, uh, I I don't think I'd ever call it a surprise. I would call it unexpected maybe or tragic or something of that nature. I agree. Well, I have to start right off the bat and say that uh, Jimmy Dean, who was a famous uh, singer and folk star and so forth, said, you know you're getting old when you go to more funerals than you do weddings. So think about that. Yes. And it's true, isn't it? It is true. Um, My brother, who is older than me, uh, will often say when I call him, which I do regularly, oh gosh, I had to go to another friend's funeral. Oh gosh. It's really, it's a sad time for older people. Well, let's not make it a sad time today. Let's talk about some things that we need to do to plan ahead of time. So if somebody should pass away, let's say, at home in their sleep or something like that, um, it is necessary to have a legal pronouncement of death. You don't just call up the funeral home. So what are some of the steps that what somebody might have to do? Um, I guess if you were under hospice care, and by the way, you can be in a hospice facility, which means essentially you're being cared for for comfort, but it is expected that somebody's going to die. Um, I guess the first thing you do is call the hospice nurse, wouldn't you? Yeah, yes. Um, the nurse is trained on what to do and can help you out uh, no end. Hospice is a wonderful service. It is a wonderful service, but hospice or the hospice nurse can also actually declare the death so you don't have to have a, a doctor there. And they can also help arrange for uh, transportation of the body of the person who died to a funeral home, for example. You know, one of my um, saddest situations, not to talk about sad all the time, but that's sort of our subject today. Well, let's, um, let's say we're going to talk about planning so that well, planning. Will be that, easier. That's a good alternative because this occasion I was called to a nursing home, a lady who I think was from Great Britain and had no relatives here at all, no, nobody close to her. And her biggest concern was, what happens if I die here? Who's going to know what to do with my body? She was really very concerned. So we talked through how to, to leave instructions with the nursing home and, and what plans she could make and so forth. But that I hadn't thought about that before. If you're totally alone, mm. that's a scary prospect. Well, I've seen situations like that before, too. I had also a client, and this goes back a long time. This goes back like 40 years ago, and she had no living relatives at all. She had no sisters, no brothers, no children, no cousins, no nephews, no nieces. She just had nobody, and um, she didn't have a large estate. Uh, She had a, a relatively modest estate, but it was going to charity, and her number one concern was to make sure that I would help take care of her when she passed away. And what she wanted to have done is she wanted her body donated to Tufts Medical School so they could, um, you know, salvage whatever organs that might be usable. 
And she wanted also to have her body used as a teaching tool in the medical school because um, medical schools are always looking for cadavers to operate on and to study the body. And what they do is they typically will keep the body for a whole year. And if anybody has interest in that, we've got forms and information about how to do it. At the end of the year, um, her remains were cremated. And then they sent the cremains, as it's called, which is the cremated remains. They sent that back to me. I got this package in the mail one day. It was very heavy. It was about six inches square, and it felt like it weighed about 40 pounds because a lot of it's bone fragments. It's a little gruesome to talk about, but it arrived, and she had a plan of what she wanted done with her ashes afterwards, and I carried out her plan for her. Said a little prayer and and um, disposed of her ashes in uh, Payton Arm Harbor. I'm saying that quietly because you're not supposed to do it within three miles of the land. Right. So That was a long but I, time But I didn't ago. know what the rules were at that time. Well, the same thing happened with my dad and my oldest brother. Both of their bodies were sent to Tufts because my brother had trained at Tufts. He was an ophthalmologist. And so both of their bodies went up there, and they remained there for about a year. The nice thing about cremation, not to say that anything's really nice about it, but that you can hold a service basically whenever you want to, as opposed to if your body is uh, uh, going to be buried in a casket where three days is the traditional time frame. I was just trying to think of the name of that movie where um, the cremated remains were up on the mantelpiece and there was a dinner party and the cat jumped up and knocked the ashes off onto the table. Meet the Parrots, I think it was Meet the Parrots. Oh, you're right. That was really a hysterical <laughs> scene. Barbara tries hand. And, and everybody was appalled. <laughs> but uh, uh, some classic scenes. Good, good movie. And of course, if you want to have, uh, if you want to look at uh, death and funerals in a, in a, in a funny light, um, take a look at Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, my goodness. Which is a hysterical movie. We've watched that so many times, it's just so funny. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about heaven and hell today, too, Tenny. I think we should do that, don't you? Oh, no. No? No. Well, Mark Twain said once, go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company. <laughs> I'd go to hell for the climate because I'm always cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, well, the important thing is that somebody uh, passes away at home, somebody dies at home. If they were under hospice, you call the hospice nurse. They can declare that the death. If not, then um, if somebody just passes away unexpectedly at home, um, then you need to call 911 at that point. And you need to have a do not resuscitate document if you've got one of those. Otherwise, if you don't have that, then you could have paramedics trying to start emergency procedure. Yes, uh, and people um, often don't know where to get DNRs, but they can be obtained from um, fire stations and from nursing homes and hospitals and so forth. But it's a difficult process if somebody dies at home, isn't it? It can be, yes. Um, I, I saw a client recently whose wife had been ill for quite a long while, and they knew that death was imminent. And actually, it was relatively peaceful for all of them mm -hmm. because they had made plans. The hospice nurse was there. They knew exactly what to do. So do make plans. It, it does help. 
The other thing that I've had some personal experience with is that if somebody dies at home and there's nobody else there, that's considered what's called an unattended death. And that often or usually requires an autopsy be done because they don't know if the person uh, was poisoned or was murdered or what the cause of death was. So usually if there's nobody around at all, um, you might have to go through an autopsy and that will delay the process for uh, burials and funerals and all that sort of stuff. So the important thing, and I'm gonna mention this a couple of times, is you need to think about this ahead of time and you need to make some plans. Now, Tenny, I know you have two very specific documents in your office that you use, and one of them is funeral and burial instructions, right? Yes. Um, the uh, living trusts that we do come in a big uh, red binder, and at the back of the binder we do provide documents where you can write out your instructions for your funeral, the kinds of uh, readings that you might want, the kind of songs or, or music that you might want, who you would like to officiate, all those sorts of things. So it's, it's maybe grim, and uh, people don't like to think about it, but everything we do is about planning in our office, and planning for your funeral is one of them. So this document is uh, specifically called Funeral and Burial Instructions, and you give this to every client that you do work for, correct? Every client who does a trust with us, that's right. So it, it details family information. It tells where you were born, your mother's maiden name, your education, if you went to school, for example, uh, who you are married to, when you were married, where you were married. Did you have children? Which children are still living and grandchildren? You can spell out all that information. And that's kind of important because that could be useful information for writing an obituary, right? Yes, that's exactly why we do it. And we have another document called My Legacy. Well, let's, stick, let's stick with the first document, if you don't mind. Yeah, because no, I'd like to just go through this. And besides family information, it also talks about community information. Did you belong to a particular church or temple or fraternal organizations? Uh, were you in the military service, uh, civic organizations? What other honors or recognitions were you involved in? What were your hobbies? Um, and then very importantly, at the end of this, there's a place where you can just check off boxes and fill in blanks of, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? If you want to be cremated, what do you want done with your ashes? Do you want them buried? Do you want them scattered? Um, or do you want something else done with them? And if you want to be buried, is there a particular cemetery? Do you already own a lot? Um, have you already purchased a, a headstone, for example? And then what funeral home uh, do you want to use? And what kind of a casket do you want to use? Do you have clients that talk about what kind of caskets they want, Tony? No, usually we don't uh, get into detail about that type of discussion. We just point out to them that these forms are available and ask them to please complete them. And by the way, our experience, or my experience at least, is that an average funeral uh, in our area with a casket and a burial and a viewing and all the rest of those things that go with it, it's typically about a $10,000 expense. Yes. Um, interesting that the Medicaid program does allow you to prepay your funeral expenses. So we become fairly familiar with the funeral homes around the area 
because we help people to arrange those uh, funeral plans so that they can have an exempt resource, their own funeral. Well, um, that's very interesting. We'll talk about that piece of it again, about whether you should prepay your funeral expenses or whether you should have a special uh, funeral and burial insurance policy, for example. So there's two options for putting money aside ahead of time. So if you're counting on your family to pay the expense of the funeral, um, you better talk to them about it because what if they don't have the resources to do it? Um, You may end up with a cremation rather than a burial. And if you know what you want, then maybe you ought to put the money aside for that. Well, anyway, um, you can also specify which funeral home you want to use, if you know that, and uh, what kind of a casket. So I had a woman, and this goes back quite a ways. This goes back at least 25 years, I would say. And when I was asking her about funeral and burial instructions, she said, oh, everything's all paid for. She said, I bought a casket. Um, It cost me $15,000, and that was a long while ago. And I said, isn't that a lot of money for a casket? She said, yes, but it's so beautiful. (laughs) I mean, she really wanted the the top-of-the-line casket. Well, I tell people to go to the funeral home and make your plans, but I also tell them that it's sort of like going to the grocery store. You choose whether or not you want this type of service or that type of service, whether you want cards, whether you want uh, this kind of flower and the color of the silk in your casket, all those things that you choose. Fresh vegetables or frozen (laughs) vegetables or something like that. Gee, I wonder if people get frozen anymore other than Ted Williams, Williams. I guess. Um, But they didn't freeze his whole body. They only froze his head. Think about that one for a minute. <laughs> no, I don't, don't think I want to. Thank you. Because he was hoping to be revived at some point in the future. Um, but um, anyway, what kind of funeral service do you want? Do you want a memorial service later when people can get together and think about what they would like to say about you perhaps? Um, I've personally done probably six um, speeches. Eulogies. Yeah, eulogies at funerals and um I've spoken at several memorial services. It's always a difficult thing to do, but it's always a nice thing to do also. So you need to decide, do you want calling hours? Do you not want calling hours? Do you want to get together afterwards? Do you want a religious service uh, in church or temple or mortuary? What if you belong to the Masons? Do you want a Masonic service? Um, Most Masons would like to have a Masonic funeral service, which takes place generally at the funeral home and then maybe you should speak also about military services and how to get those arranged because you had to do that for your dad well i've not only did it for my dad but i've done it for a number of clients they've changed the process on it a lot because of the demands on uh, the military and the fact that we still have a lot of military troops assigned overseas so um yeah let me talk about military service in just one second but a lot of people have a favorite clergyman or they might want special music played or they would want flowers or not have flowers or donations or some organization that was important to them. They'd like to have people make a donation instead. And music is always a big one. So like you, Tenny, I've had to plan uh, funeral services. Um, I planned funeral services for my father and my mother, and that wasn't done until the last minute. And... We actually designed calling cards and 
all that has to happen very quickly if you don't think about it ahead of time. So speaking of flowers, I uh, had a client the other day uh, that told me something that I'd never thought about before. Um, her husband died and was buried in New Bedford, and they had lots and lots of beautiful flowers for the grave. And she went back, I guess, pretty close to the funeral time, maybe the next day, and all the flowers were gone. And I said, well, who would take them? What would they want done with them? And she said, well, there's a homeless shelter nearby and some other uh, not-so-wealthy uh, parts of the city and apparently people take these flowers, rearrange them, and sell them on the corner as fresh flowers. Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow, that's interesting. Isn't that something? So <laughs> we live in a very competitive time, don't we? Oh, that was sad. You know, it's one thing if you want to donate them or do something. Uh, when my mother passed away, she was living in the Charlton Masonic Home, which is a nursing home in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. And the people were really very gracious there. They were they were just lovely, lovely people. And what I did after the uh, funeral service was over, I took the flowers that were at the funeral home and I brought them all back to the nursing home, which was a I don't know twenty minute, thirty minute ride away, and said, you know, my mother would have liked to have these on display so other people can enjoy them. All the residents of the nursing home, and they appreciated that. That was a nice thing to do. So don't just assume that. The flowers are going to go to the funeral and just be dumped on the grave. Maybe maybe you can do something else with the flowers, huh, Tim? Well, I think it depends upon your own personal feelings. Some people, I love flowers, as you know. Um, I have lots of plants at home. And I always say that I want to be buried somewhere so somebody can put posies on my, my grave. So for me, maybe the family would think leaving flowers there would would make my passing more comfortable. What's a posy? I don't know. <laughs> it's somewhere between... Is it really a flower? <laughs> a rose and a pansy, I guess. <laughs> oh, between a rose and a posy. No, between a rose and a pansy is a posy. Okay, I'll try to remember that one. Well, um, in any event, uh, this document that we're talking about, funeral and burial instructions, does go into a little bit more detail because it can indicate information about um, your obituary. So I wonder how many people listening today have thought about writing their own obituary. Actually, people do do that. And is, is it the time now when you'd like to get into this other booklet? That um, um, I'll do have? that in a minute. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off on this, but I want to come back to um, military funerals for one moment. Yes, that's important. Because you brought that subject up, and I think we need to discuss it. Yes, if you had uh, a family member who served in the military, you can't arrange for a military funeral. It used to be that you could have a lot of people, a lot of members of the military there. Now there's a place to call in Massachusetts. We'll give you the number if you call the office where you can arrange a military funeral. They want to know what service the person was in because they'll have representatives of that service branch there. They want to know what the rank was of the person and the rank will determine how many people they will provide for the funeral. So if it's like an enlisted rank below the grade of E6 or something like that, they'll have two people. And I learned this when my Uncle Harry died. He was on this show before. He served in the Army in World War II. He was in the Battle of the Bulge, and they sent two people. They did a really nice job, and they folded the flag and presented the flag to um, 
a family member and so forth, and they played um, a recorded version of Taps, but it was done with great dignity and it was, it was well worth doing. Um, I think, Tenny, what I'd like to do is probably take a, a short break, but when we come back, I want to tell you a little bit more about military funerals and what the Marine Corps League is doing in New Bedford for Marines who've passed away. Yes, that's important. And also important. a little bit of information about my father's funeral where there were 17 Marines in dress blues present. Yep. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about organ donation, uh, cremation. Um, most importantly, we're going to talk about taking care of your family and making sure that they're going to be um, able to carry out your wishes for what you'd like to have done. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about this subject a little bit more, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Sunday Morning. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday by USA Wealth Group. Our guest this morning is attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. Welcome back, Tenny. Thank you. And we're talking about what to do when a loved one dies. The first thing is you need to notify somebody right away. Of course, if it happens in a hospital or a nursing home, then they will have somebody who will report the death. And it has to be fairly unusual circumstances for an autopsy to be done. Um, we've been involved, I've been involved in a number of situations when that has occurred. Um, if it's a suspicious death, of course, that's going to happen. Um, we had a case a number of years ago down by the Cape where probably somebody was done in uh, that is murdered, but we couldn't prove it. We actually hired a private detective after the fact with the family's blessing, and uh, it was just very suspicious how things happen. But let's talk about some quotations as well, because we don't want this to be entirely a grim yes, subject. Yes, that was grim. So Mark Twain once said, let us endeavor so to live that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. Oh. But I like that one. That's nice. And then, of course, Woody Allen said, it's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> So a funeral can, and, and death can be a sad time. It could also be a time for some humor, can't it? But <laughs> well, we're talking about occasionally. <laughs> occasionally, we're talking about um, military funerals just a little bit before the break. And if your loved one was a veteran, you ideally want to have a copy of their military discharge available ahead of time. So do some planning. You want to know what date do they enter the service. Um, where do they go into the service? I went in Boston when I went into the Marines. You'd like to know what their military service number is, what day did they leave the service, and from where, what was their rank, what was their rating, obviously which branch of the service did they serve in. And that discharge paper is called a? DD-214. We tell people often in our office to look out for that to make sure that if you were in the service that you find that because it may be useful for VA uh, aid programs, not just for um, the services at your death. But it's really important to plan ahead of time. If you think about it, when somebody dies, and especially if you don't expect it or you're not quite sure when it's going to occur, 
there's a lot of scrambling and running around that has to be done to try to find information. And if you plan ahead of time, then you can treat somebody with dignity and respect the way you want them to be treated. So you have to plan ahead of time. And um, briefly about my dad's funeral, back then they didn't have restrictions on how many people they would send to the funeral service. And I told this story before on the radio, but my dad served in the Marine Corps for 20 years. He was in both World War II and Korea. And he retired with the rank of first sergeant, which is a very high rank uh, in the Marines, a very high enlisted rank. And we knew he was gonna die because he had cancer. And um, I called up the local reserve organization because I didn't know what to do then. And they asked me a few questions and um, they said, well, we'll take care of it. Just let us know when he passes. So when he actually passed away, I called him up again. I said, you know, my dad did pass away and told him what his rank had been and so forth and what the details were for the funeral, when it was gonna take place. And that day when we got there, when we went to the funeral home, there were six Marines in dress blues inside the funeral home and they were standing guard, like standing attention um, over the casket and they had the American flag draped over the casket. And that was a very emotional experience, obviously. And then when it was time to go to the cemetery, um, they did this horrible, gut-wrenching, uh, slow-motion salute. And every time you think about it, it still uh, is a, a very emotional experience. And played taps, which in and of itself is gut-wrenching. Yeah, well, they did that at the cemetery itself, which he was, um, the funeral service was in Auburn, Mass, and the burial took place in uh, Sturbridge, Mass. And um, I can always remember when we went there, we were, I'm not sure if we were in our own car or a funeral car, but they took the casket out and I said, I wonder if they're gonna be doing anything at graveside. And then we looked up on the hill and they had 17 Marines in dress blues up on the hill, which is also very dramatic. And they played taps from up there with a real bugle and everything else. So. Military members deserve to be recognized. Plan ahead of time and make sure that if somebody in your family was in the military, you get a copy of the DD-214 discharge form. And maybe you can speak a bit about the Marine Corps League that our son is involved with, or maybe other military branches have similar organizations. Some of the local veterans organizations in, in New Bedford uh, for Marines, um, the Greater New Bedford Marine Corps League, one of the things they've taken upon themselves to do is to attend um, all the funerals for former Marines. And they do a service, and they do a very nice job. So if you had somebody who served in that branch, by all means, contact them. Most importantly, do that ahead of time. So we really only talked about this funeral and burial instruction form. This is available to everybody who goes to your office and becomes a client. Um, and the other document that you do is something called My Legacy. And this says, my life story in my own words. It's, and explain this a little bit. It's a, a way, it's an outline for your own autobiography. And how I wish my parents, my brother, whoever is now gone had done this kind of thing. Because we don't know their story. Um, I know 
you know, sort of the broad outlines of where my parents went to school. My dad went to Worcester Polytech, but um, I don't know exactly uh, what he majored in. I don't know what his all of his interests were. Um, it's it's a wonderful way to leave a story about yourself with your family, with your children. Uh, something written down is not going to necessarily get lost like uh, oral stories might. Hey, this is a, a lengthy document. It's a 21-page document, but, you know, what was the happiest time in your life? What was the saddest time? How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Um, well, if- when I began making out uh, my own my legacy booklet, I came to a question about what are my p- paternal p- grandparents' names, and I thought, son of a gun, I don't even know. They were dead before I was born. I haven't seen their names in writing anywhere. And so I did some investigation. I talked to some of my cousins that I haven't seen for uh, decades, say nothing about years, and found out that my grandmother's name was Abigail Minerva. Holy Holy, moly. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm not sure that you want to remember all that. And my grandfather was Edward Edwin, not Edward Flag. Hmm. So that was that was helpful to me. I felt good that I was able to find out what their names were. Well, let's come back to the main reason for talking about what to do when a loved one dies, because it's a really tough time. If you wait until the last minute, whether it's your own funeral or somebody else's funeral that you have to handle and plan for. It's a big job, and you really have to do a lot of running around at the last minute. So decide whether you want to be buried or cremated. Let somebody know. Write it down. Get one of these forms and fill it out. If you want to have an organ donation, you better let your family know, and you can have it indicated on your driver's license because that has to be done very quickly after you die, and you can't go and get, um, what's the word, embalmed. Oh, correct. Yes, your your body cannot be uh, uh, full of preservative fluids if you're going to donate donate your organs. Right. And do you even want to be embalmed? Most people don't get embalmed today. I, I suspect, but again, I don't handle uh, that kind of thing. Um, do you want a memorial website? Um, why don't you think about writing your own obituary? Would you rather write your own obituary and have it written, have it said? what you want to say rather than have somebody else write it about write it for you right well and and music at a service is important to me because you and i both love music and you have already told me what you would like played at your service and it is so there's a mixture of a whole bunch you of didn't things answer me no <laughs> <I'm not gonna laughs> answer you. um well there's one piece of music i'd like to have played i like Mahler's fifth symphony right in c minor uh, the Adagietto section. Yes. Then I went jazz. And I love Andrew Lloyd Webber's P.A. Yezu. Oh. So, you know, those kinds of things, I've written them down. There are certain hymns. My dad always loved the hymn, How Great Thou Art. And so how about, those are important. How about, he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, there's lots of details that to, to be done. We've talked about some stories and some family stories and so forth. You certainly want to let family members know right away. Have you told somebody what the passcodes are to get into your 
websites, your credit card information, you know, a, a family member, a loved one, or at least write it down and say, don't open this unless I'm gone. But if you die and you haven't put down information about how people can access your online accounts, boy, is that a job. We've been through that quite a few times. We had a poor lady come into our office one day and her son had died very unexpectedly. And he was involved with a lot of high-tech stuff up in the Boston area. So he did everything digitally. He primarily did all of his investments and all his banking that way. And she had no idea how to get into any of his accounts so that she could pay for his services or any of those kinds of things. It was very difficult for her. Yeah, so everybody should write all this down, put it in a sealed envelope to be opened only in the event of my death or something like that if you want to keep it private. We keep a lot of information, or you do, uh, on your cell phone. Question is, how do you get into your cell phone? <laughs> oh, heck, my my secretaries, my assistants, everybody knows how to do that. So right. <laughs> there's no <laughs> secrets. <laughs> right. That wouldn't be a problem. Um, but... Um, if you have questions about any of these things, give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800. And a lot of people come and talk to us and say, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about it. If I talk about it or write my will or whatever, I'm sure to die right away. That's They have that uh, uh, problem. <laughs> uh, and I tell them, gosh, it's so much better to plan ahead. It's so much easier on your family. Well, we've got a huge list here. And by the way, the outline that we have for the show um, actually constitutes a great outline that we'd be happy to give to anybody that calls. It's what, if, what if you're alone and you have pets? That's always an issue. Well, you need to plan ahead of time for pets for sure because um, they have just as much need to know what's going to happen to them afterwards, right? Well, they need to be fed. They're Boxes might need to be changed or they need to be walked. Um, we've had several situations where people were living alone and they had either a dog or cats, and uh, it's, it's a problem. It's, it's difficult to have uh, older animals adopted, uh, so you, you want to arrange for that ahead of time. You want to find a service that would uh, forever pause or whatever those other organizations are that will assure you that your pets will not be euthanized just because you're gone. You know, I love Mark Twain, and once he wrote, most people can't bear to sit in church for an hour on Sundays. How are they supposed to live somewhere very similar to it for eternity? <laughs> I like Mark Twain a lot. This, the outline that we're going through today, what to do when a loved one dies, is very much um, in the form of a complete checklist. If anybody would like a copy of this, Give us a call. Uh, you can call Ray at 508-998-8858. So you want to, besides contacting your minister, your priest, your rabbi, your funeral home, uh, having somebody remove the body or get the body to a funeral home, you need to close email accounts. You need to set the funeral schedule. You need to tell all your family and friends. Um, you need to uh, arrange security for the uh, location of where the dead person lived. Yeah, that's there real important. There may be important. valuable personal property items in that house. There are people who read obituaries and then go look to break in your house. You always leave somebody in your home when somebody's got to stay behind and not go to the funeral or right. the calling hours because right. somebody may try to break into your house. I wonder how many people have thought about that. 
similar to weddings. When when people go to weddings, they need somebody to stay at the house where all the wedding gifts are. And get in touch with your attorney. Get in touch with attorney Tenny Lance to talk about handling your estate. Um, pets, Tenny mentioned, that's a very important one. Get valuables out of the house if this person lived alone. Don't leave valuable things there. Get a safe place to put them. Get rid of perishables in the refrigerator. Alert the post office. Um, make some, sure of the, some of the important things may be as simple as social security cards because if somebody should break in and find that, uh, there can be some deceitful things going on with your security card. Yeah, you need to notify social security so somebody else won't come along and try to use the social security number. And I actually heard that on the news even recently, but it's a very important tip. You, you've got to notify social security so that you can't have some fraud being committed. But lots and lots of information. Um, if you did get in touch with um, Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Michael Coleman, um, they'll, they have a whole checklist of what things you need to bring when you come in to uh, meet with them. We've talked about veterans and the importance of doing that. Certainly within um, a month after somebody dies, you should sit down with your attorney, maybe talk about um, meeting with an accountant to do a final tax return. There are so many things to do, filing claims with insurance companies. Um, here's an interesting one. Notify the register of voters that this person has passed away so they'll cancel their voter registration. Right. I mean, not that there's likely to be any fraud going on about that, but who knows? You never know. Cancel driver's licenses. Stop any automatic payments from the bank account. Um, close credit card accounts. Order headstones. There's so many things that have to be done. And, of course, doing a lot of that means that you have had to plan ahead of time so that somebody has access to some funds to do these things. Bills still need to be paid. Utilities still remain on and so forth. And if you have not arranged ahead of time for somebody to access your monies, then how are they going to pay these bills? We see people who, who are very concerned about getting reimbursed for funeral expenses because the person who died never made the arrangement. And by the way, we're not going to go into a lot of detail on this. We've talked about it before, but we've got a lot of information available, too, if somebody does want to have a burial at sea. There's a whole process for that, and there's at least one good company called New England Burials at Sea. I believe they're located in Gloucester, and they'll arrange for all of that. They have to take the... Uh, the ashes or the body, it's more complicated with the body, um, a certain number of miles offshore. You can have a service offshore. Um, people who've been in the Navy or the Coast Guard or Merchant Marine or fishermen, they might be interested in that. Um, and we've had people that have done that. Yes. Um, more often than not, it's people who have been cremated who want their ashes scattered at sea. Um, but this company does advertise every once in a while a hear them on BZ Radio, and they do have a very good reputation. I have to give you a quotation that I think is relevant to um, what we're talking about today. A friend of mine stopped smoking, drinking, overeating, and chasing women all at the same time. It was a lovely funeral. Yeah, otherwise he would have been really boring. Right? <laughs> I want to give you a, a serious quotation. It's short, um, but this also relates to my own dad. Um, and I did do the eulogy at his funeral and also at my mother's. This is uh, from Dylan Thomas. 
Do not go gentle into that good night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light. So one of the things I did at my dad's funeral is I read the entire poem, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas. Well, I think we've told this story before, but I don't remember about you and your dad and what you said to each other at the uh, at the end. Schmuck. No. No, no I didn't say that. I wouldn't have dared say that to my father. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you always said to each other, um, love yeah. you, Semper Fi. Yeah, in the, the last few months of his life, especially when I went to see him, we knew he was dying. He was in hospice at the end. And um, I've told this story before, but it, it's a story that is part of me. And uh, My last real memory of my dad, we'd give each other a hug and I'd say, Semper Fi, Dad, I love you. And he'd say, Semper Fi, I love you. And that's how we parted. And when I last saw him, he was lying in bed. He was in and out of consciousness. It was about a week before he passed away. We were leaving soon to go on vacation. We didn't know when he would be passing away. And because he was lying down in bed, I couldn't hug him. So I grabbed his hand and just held his hand. And I said, Semper Fi, Dad, I love you. And he said, Semper Fi, son of a bitch. Those are his last words to me. Fighting to the end. He was angry that he was dying, and he knew it. I have to give you something to lighten up the moment. This is a guy named Bob Monkhouse who said, I want to die like my father, peacefully in his sleep, not screaming and terrified like the passengers on his bus. <laughs> Think about that one. <laughs> oh, um, my. So we've got some funny quotes. We've got some serious quotes. The other thing it's important to do when somebody passes away is Notify the credit reporting bureaus. This sounds a little strange, but if you don't do that, then somebody could be using his information, the person who passed away, let's say it's a man, and trying to open up a credit card under that person's name. Let the credit bureaus know that. There's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. So we have all this in a checklist. We're happy to provide this checklist to anyone who wants it. Uh, give a call to Tenny at 508-998-8800, and they'd be happy to send a copy of this to you. Um, certainly send out acknowledgement cards and thank everybody who's attended and thank them for being there. Um, there's information that we've got on this document as well for uh, addresses and phone numbers and websites for the Department of Veterans Affairs, Social Security Administration, and the credit reporting bureau. So this is a fairly good, complete checklist. So there's three documents we've talked about today. Right, what were we gonna say, Tenny? Well, all I was going to say was, this may be overwhelming for a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff. Yes, and I just want them to be sure to know that we would be there to help them if uh, anybody was confused about what to do or wanted assistance making life insurance claims, filling out paperwork, all that sort of thing, we are there to help. Uh, We'd be happy to hear from anybody who needs us. This is a variation on a question that I ask sometimes. If we were sitting down one year from today talking about what to do because somebody in your family has died and has passed away, what would you have wanted to have done between now and then to make sure that was going to be the best process possible? 
the best way to remember the person that died. Uh, to do that, you got to do planning, pure and simple. Yes, and a lot of people come in to talk to me and they say, I absolutely do not want to have my children go through what I had to go through when my parents or my aunt or my uncle or whatever died because the process can be daunting. I want to have everything planned ahead. I want to make sure that all the uh, funeral arrangements are done and so forth so that my kids don't have to suffer the way I did. And I suspect today that most people are are still following traditional funeral routes. They want calling hours. They want viewings. Uh, they want to have a funeral service, perhaps a church or, or a temple service. And then they want to have some kind of a get-together afterwards because it's an opportunity not only to see family members you haven't seen for a while, but it's a way of expressing emotions and having support, isn't it? It's, it's very helpful to family members because they do get the, the warmth and support of the people who have come to be with you that day. I've also got some interesting articles called The Freeform Funeral, uh, People Doing Unusual Kinds of Funerals. Um, there's an article called Cremation Nation, Our New Way to Go. Um, then I have an article from the uh, New York Times on a Sunday about uh, memorials and planting trees and doing other kinds of things. So funerals can be traditional, they can be different. Well, speaking of planting trees, uh, our, uh, our friend down in Florida, and we go visit yep. her tree every time we go down there. Yeah, we do. So thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Take the time to do some planning. Um, it's going to be better for you, and it's going to be much easier and much better for your family because you have given some thought to how you want to leave this planet. And right now, we're going to leave the show and say goodbye and have a good Sunday. <laughs>